1: Hello, and welcome to episode number 223 of the Blended Family Podcast. I'm really kind of excited that I've been able to, I think this is what, two or three weeks in a row, which I know I should have been doing all along, but I haven't been able to due to my health issues and everything else. And so the one good thing about this quarantine is I've been spending a little bit more time on the podcast and just on other things that I've needed to do And that part feels really good. I know we are still in uncertain times, and I know that we're still under quarantine. I don't know, I think maybe another two weeks for us here in Florida, they're talking about opening up some states already and some as soon as next week. So I don't know. I personally don't think we're really ready. I know there's three southern states that have opened up gyms and hair salons and nail salons. I can't say I agree with that, especially since those states haven't even hit their peak yet. So I don't know if everybody here, the higher ups are making the right decisions or not, but we just need to do what's right for our family, right? So, you know, for instance, we could go back to cleaning right now. I know that we wouldn't get caught. We could probably just go do it. And yes, we need the money, but we're trying to be very responsible here, not just for our own family, but for other people too. And so let's all remember to still practice caution and do what we need to do so that this thing gets eradicated and it doesn't linger around and doesn't keep coming back again and again. Uh, And I just wanted to send a little bit of love to my parents, especially those who are dealing with homeschooling right now for your young ones i i really do sympathize with you i can't say that i fully relate just had a conversation with one of my daughter's teachers this morning because She's really not doing anything. She's not doing any work. She doesn't live here. And so it's very difficult for me to be on top of it. But, you know, she's older. She's 16. And she's going to have to make this stuff up if she does fail. But she's having a terrible time because there's no instruction. It's basically just here's a stack of work every day and she's got no direction. And she just doesn't learn that way. And I'm not going to get completely stressed out about it because it's going to be okay. And so for you parents that are trying to be a provider and be a parent and be a teacher and be a chef and be all the things that you need to do right now without ever getting a break. I just want to tell you that this is, this is not permanent, right? This is just temporary. This will pass. And I know that it's very difficult, but just try to find the moments of peace within that you can and try to remember that this is a pause and reset button for us. So you are not supposed to be getting yourself completely stressed out over homework and over not doing a perfect job. It's okay. Nobody's doing a perfect job. Nobody's got this thing down pat that I've seen. I've seen everybody struggling. So just give yourself a little bit of grace and understand this isn't all about perfect grades right now. I know it feels like that, but I tell you what, if every single student fails the remainder of the year, I'm sure they're going to have to figure that out, right? It's not going to be just a few students. There's going to be a lot of difficult times, So I want you to not stress about the schoolwork. It will be okay, ultimately. This is really just a few months out of a 12-year period of their school education, so it's going to be okay. So I want you to try to remember that when you're struggling and try to remember to just find little moments of happiness during the day. And remember with our kids, it's not all about School education. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've said to myself a million times, I wish these kids would be able to learn other skills that they're not teaching them in school, right? Things that we could teach them at home, like cooking and maybe sewing if you sew, or maybe learning how to manage uh finances because for older kids you can do that even younger ones too you can have those conversations about money and all kinds of other things you can teach at home that they may not teach at school hell even sexual education right i mean these are things that we can teach our kids that we've relied on the school for but i tell you what i don't know where you're at but i hate to say it but the school education system here in Florida isn't the best right the curriculum is not the best and so let's just try to relax about that and worry about the more important things and also count our blessings. We're home more, the kids are home more. I don't know about you, but there's probably a lot less crime. There's a lot less kids getting into trouble at school, no calls from the teachers for bad behavior. Let's just look at those things and let's look at the fact that we are able to do some of the things that we hadn't been able to do before. And I know that this is stressful Believe me, we have our up and down moments. I had a cry the other day. I mean, we found out that our our stimulus check um, we have a you know I've talked about this before. We have a child support issue, and so our entire stimulus check went to Sean's ex. I don't know if we'll be able to rectify that. So we're in it too. We're in it with you, and we understand. And we have our moments. So just let's hold on we're probably more than halfway through this thing, I think. So just a little bit more. And that's all I wanted to say about that. Just sending you guys a whole bunch of love and encouragement today to get through the rest of this quarantine period and help us deal with whatever is ahead. I've got a great interview for you today. We're going to be talking about parental alienation. I know it is the end of the month, but April is Parental Alienation Awareness Month. And I have had other shows in the past focusing on parental alienation. Uh, Today, this one is good for you. This is an expert interview. This guy is a wealth of knowledge. And you'll see when you hear the interview, he's got actually a lot of resources for you to check out. So If you or anyone you know is dealing with parental alienation, this is a must listen. I really don't have any other announcements to share today. Please just go over to iTunes and give us a rating and review blendedfamilypodcast.com slash iTunes. If you take that same link and you put slash group at the end, you can join our free private Facebook group where we can talk on a more personal level about some of the issues that we face. I hope that you guys are all hanging in there. I love you so much. Please enjoy this interview and I will definitely be back next week with another show. Okay enjoy. Hello, everybody. Today, we have the honor of having Joseph Goldberg on the show, who happens to be a recognized expert in parental alienation. Mr. Goldberg was the first educator in the US to co-author and revise divorce education programs to include curriculum content in parent-child relational problems, specifically in parental alienation, realistic estrangement, and enmeshment. These divorce education programs are accredited by the courts in more than 500 counties across the U.S. Mr. Goldberg is a member of the prestigious Parental Alienation Study Group, which is led by Dr. William Bernay, and he is the author of a continuing educational course, Diagnostic Criteria for Clinical Practitioners in the Treatment of Parental Alienation and Parental Alienation Syndrome, which was approved by the American Psychological Association for 18 CECs. Welcome to the show, Mr. Joseph Goldberg.
0: Hi, Melissa. Thank you.
1: So we have so much to talk about. And I know April is Parental Alienation Awareness Month. And so we like to cover this topic this month, but it really, we do like to cover it all year long because my listeners all really struggle with some form of parental alienation. But before we really get into the meat of the conversation, Joe, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be in this line of work?
0: Well, uh, I've had some personal experience with parental alienation uh, as a child, uh, and of course uh, uh, I had a very happy ending with it in uh, respect uh, that it uh, negatively impacted my relationship with my father for uh, a number of years. But then we um, reunited and uh, we had a, a beautiful relationship the last 25 years of his life. So uh, that was sort of the genesis of my uh, interest in it. Um, And and that interest carried over into my adulthood uh, as I started to do more reading and coming into more contact with people that had that experience.
1: Wow. Well, let's start also by giving a definition of parental alienation, because I tell you what, I know we just spoke. I didn't even know that was a term until a few years into my work with this podcast. I know that we all know what it's like, but nobody really knows there's actually a name for it. And some people are really relieved to find out that information. So just give us um, a definition of it so that everyone has a basic understanding of the term, you know, before we get into all of the details.
0: Well, it's a, it's a good question to start with because um, before the term uh, parental alienation, there was another term uh, that preceded it. Uh, that was parental alienation syndrome, which is a, a term that was coined by a very brilliant child psychiatrist named Dr. Richard Gardner. Um, uh, those terms are uh, somewhat conflated today um, by people who are um, psycholegal professionals. Uh, but the the definition of parental alienation uh, has also been through a, a variety of iterations over the last 25 years. Uh, the the one definition I think most people would agree on is the one that I use when I I tell people about it. Basically, parental alienation is a parent-child relationship problem which develops when a child rejects a parent for unjustified reasons. And the rejection is largely due to the negative influence of the other parent.
1: Right. And so the big question is, Why would a parent do that to their own child? Hmm.
0: Well, when a parent uses their effort or energy uh, to turn a child against the other parent, um, there's a pathological motivation that's often rooted in a personality disorder. And this factor is frequently discussed in scientific journal articles and continuing education conferences today. Uh, People uh, need to understand that uh, succeeding in this effort is not something that happens overnight. It requires a steady stream of distorted messages, outright lies, and constant parental programming. Um, uh, Some say it's analogous to brainwashing and cult indoctrinations. And children are hypersensitive to the stress that builds up, because stress has a significant impact on their behavior and decision-making capabilities.
1: Yeah, and I definitely want to talk about the kids because we all know that when anything happens, the divorce, our kids are always affected in some way. So can you explain the impact of this type of stress on the child um, and also how the stress impacts the parents as well? Hmm.
0: Well, the human brain is very sensitive to stress, and over the last 20 years, the research data has helped us better understand how stress can shape our behavior. Uh, For example, even mild stress can alter how we act out in negative ways that are harmful to ourselves and to others. Uh, The evidence of the research strongly confirms that both uh, situational acute stress and chronic levels of stress. Can lead to a rapid decrease in self-control and self-regulation. In reference to parental alienation, this would help explain why parents in a high-conflict relationship with children can cause a lot of damage to the child's critical thinking. Essentially, the pressures from the demands of both parents is what leads to a child's incapacity to maintain cognitive control and or to maintain a relationship with a parent. When chronic stress impacts the prefrontal cortex, whether you are a child or an adult, we all experience a severe loss of self-control and the stress response for the child could easily lead to forced cooperation with whoever is controlling their environment. A lot more, um, I would say, has to be understood about how to develop better strategies and interventions to disrupt the biological factors and stressors in the child's environment. Uh, That is what triggers their loss of control and cognitive impairment.
1: Wow, my gosh, yeah, I I have seen, I've had a lot of listeners um, write to me and tell me about the damage that is being done both on themselves and the kids, right? It causes so much stress. And I always know the damage of putting kids in the middle of a situation. And that's what a child always feels like. They want to love both of their parents. Um, And it's so, so damaging. Now you place an emphasis on stress, the environment, and biological factors that influence parental alienation. So is the understanding of parental alienation as a whole still evolving?
0: Well, when parental alienation was first introduced as a concept back in the 1980s, there was very little research on the neurological and biological components that impact how the brain functions. And when you combine that with the research regarding stress and how top-down brain structures interact, uh, well, all of these components are relevant to understanding parental alienation and potentially ending it. Uh, Sadly, the, the truth is social science investigators in the field of parental alienation have lagged behind in understanding the current medical research, and they have not taken into account the model that allows for how stress and biological factors impact how children are trapped in an environment being orchestrated by parental programming. Uh, parental alienation will evolve into a concept that becomes updated because the current model is simply, well, overly simplistic.
1: Yeah, I agree with you that it's just a very complex issue in itself, and it's very hard to figure out, and it's very hard to really you know, be able to help parents through this. So I'm so thankful for the work that you're doing. So Joseph, what caused you to dive into this research about stress and the biological factors that you see linked to parental alienation?
0: Hmm. Uh, well, I was working on a book to encapsulate what parents can expect to experience when parental alienation becomes part of their life. And I wanted to talk about why people adopt the label and how they respond to it based on input from extended family members and from lawyers, mental health professionals, and from social media. And I wanted to talk about the various interventions that are being promulgated by custody evaluators and other parental alienation experts. But I stopped writing the book. Um, I stopped writing the book to investigate a hypothesis that the high conflict uh, seen in these families is at least correlated to a loss of self-control. And over the last year, I reviewed hundreds of journal articles that have helped confirm my hypothesis. Interpersonal conflict in families was very frequently discussed in these journal articles that I reviewed. And it was interesting for me to discover how many other disciplines have an overlapping interest in self-control.
1: Wow, this is really interesting. Are there any other factors that you think should be studied in relation to parental alienation?
0: I do. Um, Inculcating fear in a child is a common strategy employed by an alienating parent, and fear is a strong emotion which is very hard to extinguish. One of the potential precursors for high failure rates in treatment, I believe, can be traced to inadequate assessments of this uh, factor and how to mitigate the child's fear during therapy. I've also observed the high rate of self-injuring behavior in children identified with alienation symptomatology, specifically children who are cutting themselves and on this continuum of self-injuring behavior, I've seen a lot of eating disorder profiles also linked into alienation cases. So I think these factors also merit further investigation.
1: Wow, and so when we talk about fear in children, um, what are they? What are they afraid of, Joseph? Is it fear of hurting their parent, or is it fear of not following the other parents' you know structure and rules about you know or whatever they're saying? You know, some kids I feel like they feel like they have to go along with that parent in order to be loved by that parent. What do you think?
0: Well, their uh, fear is conditioned into them uh, in a somewhat Pavlovian uh, process, um, it's learned. Uh, fear is, is learned that uh, if you don't cooperate, there's consequences. And so, so children are, are very sensitive to the stress that uh, shapes their behavior. And, and fear is a, uh, a very strong component that um, helps the parent control the child.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's so sad. What, what can or should we do as people to address the problem of parental alienation from your perspective as an expert, because you see a whole different side of this? What can we do?
0: Well, before I could answer that question, I think you have to talk about perspective because some people you know, would ask that question because they feel that the child is being alienated against them. Uh, and then on the other hand, you have people who are asking the same question because they believe that they're being falsely accused of alienation. Hmm. So so regardless of which end of the equation you relate to, uh, the, the answer is to look for an expert in parental alienation. And sadly, this is not the way most people respond, and I'll tell you why. Uh, parental alienation is a dynamic that most often occurs in the context of a high conflict separation or divorce. So the first conclusion that most people come to is an assumption that a family law lawyer is the one who's gonna help them. That's a false assumption because um, a lawyer uh, is not adequately able to address alienation problems. Uh, They only exacerbate the problem uh, and take advantage of of desperate clients. correct professional for people to turn to in cases of parental alienation is a mental health consultant with expertise in the dynamic. And I'm not talking about a therapist, but rather an expert specialist that offers court-related services and litigation support.
1: So this is exciting because previously, whenever I've covered parental alienation, it's always been you know, directing people to this resource or that or this book, but I really did not know that there are experts in this field. So tell us, please, how do people find the right expert? Um, and what what do they expect? Tell us about that.
0: Well, I think it's kind of simple. I I would just suggest that people Google parental alienation, mental health consultants. Uh but keep in mind that mental health consulting services is a newly invented term for professionals that have a specific competency in this field. Um, so anyone searching needs to, to spend a fair amount of time looking for such a professional. And I honestly don't think that there's more than a handful of them in the entire nation currently doing the work. Uh, I would like to refer people to my website where they can find a link to an article that would, however, explain what a mental health consultant does and why lawyers also need to engage them for their expertise. Uh, And the title of of that article is called Science Mental Health Consultants and Attorney Expert Relationships in Child Custody. It's a great article uh, that'll help people who are looking for an expert with bona fide credentials.
1: Okay. That's good to know. And I will also definitely make sure that I put a link to that article for the listeners in the show notes so they can get right to it. But also um, we're going to tell you where to find Joseph's website here in a moment uh, once we're done. But so let's talk about and just general, you know, how people can get educated about parental alienation. Cause I know it's, it's great that we know about it, but what can we really do and how can we learn about it? So what is the best resource for people to check out now for parental alienation? The
0: largest compendium of education on the topic is already on my website. I, I could tell you in all honesty, I was the first pioneer in the cycle legal education on this subject I organized and I hosted many symposiums with all of the leading experts in the field and, and all of these conferences were filmed. So today, anyone interested in education, you know, can watch these conferences online absolutely free. And uh, There are three different conferences on my website that contain over 60 hours of speaker presentations.
1: Wow. That is amazing. So I strongly encourage you listeners, when you are done listening here, you need to go to Joseph's website and check out all of this information because that is really, really amazing. Uh, what, What kind of advice do you give your clients about parental alienation?
0: My advice to anyone having a concern about parental alienation is to let an expert uh, do a very thorough review of the facts leading to whatever's happening now. So a review means reading all the documents pertaining to the relationship problems. I often uh, tell clients that this includes emails, text messages, court records, letters of communication between the lawyers, reports from any of the professionals that may have been involved in working with the family, police reports, guardian at litem reports custody and psychological evaluation reports, CPS letters, transcripts, all kinds of documents, because an expert has to be fully immersed in the forensic facts and the family history. They need to get as much information as they can get to capture the perspective of everyone involved. And any attempt to sidestep that process would be a a very serious mistake. Only after a review of the documentation and after further discussions with the prospective client could any expert assess what steps to take next because it's a very complex problem and you can't boil the plate a solution for everyone. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach to the problem.
1: Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I tell you, for every story that I get, they are all so completely different in so many ways. I have had a lot of people say that, They don't know how to respond to a child that refuses to respect them or refuses to follow the parental supervision that they provide. So what can a parent do to get the child to cooperate and respect the guidance of a parent that they're rejecting?
0: That's an excellent reason to hire an expert because not only do children refuse to cooperate and follow parental supervision when they're alienated, Many children who are severely alienated are actively involved in staging events to make the parent look Mm -hmm. bad or trigger them to overreact. And with a little coaching from the alienating parent, the child can be recruited to set a trap to trick the parent into doing something that could lead to a loss of their custodial rights. Uh, Without an expert on hand to tell that parent what to say and what not to say and what to do and what not to do, The risk factor is very high. It would be foolish to not want to employ the services of an expert for self-protection reasons and for prevention.
1: Yeah. I mean, I could imagine that these are issues that are very sensitive and you don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to handle things the wrong way and cause a heap of trouble for yourself. So I definitely would agree with you there. The only thing that I can hear people screaming right now is, oh, that's great, but how much is that going to cost? So tell us about the cost of ret- retaining an expert, because I know for my listeners, a lot of people just don't have a lot of money, you know, dealing with child support issues and divorce. It's hard to have enough money to hire more lawyers and more experts. So tell us a little bit about that. What can people do?
0: Well, first, I want to thank you for asking that question, because that's the most common problem. Um, Most people do not have enough financial resources to hire the professionals they need to assist them. But that's not the end of the story. Because I can tell you that even lawyers who are affordable and highly competent to deal with most of the family law issues, they still lack the competency to help clients with parental alienation problems, which is why you need the expert to help them. Also, um, there's another option here. there's uh, retaining lawyers on what's called a limited scope retainer. That, that's an arrangement uh, that works really well in this situation because the cost is significantly lower. Um, and uh, the other thing I would point out is that there are also mental health consultants that work on a limited scope retainer and offer a flat rate fee rather than hourly fees, which is what I do. Mm. But, but my advice is to look for such an expert and ask for a free consultation Uh, People would not believe how much information they can get from a free consultation. And when when I talk to someone and I have a consultation with them, I give that person a lot of information, a lot of answers. I make suggestions. I give them explanations. I give them hope. And sometimes after they hear what they need to hear, they know what to do next.
1: That's really, really great. Um, I I think a lot of my listeners are probably going to be contacting you for sure um, because it is just nice to know that somebody understands what you're going through and knows what you should do because these are unchartered waters for many of us. We don't know. So this is wonderful. Uh, Joe, I want to ask you, do the experts agree with the interventions available to treat children affected by parental alienation? I hear a lot of differing opinions about the programs for treatment, and there seems to be an ongoing debate about reunification therapy, comparing it to deprogramming and what do people do when they reach the stage of getting some kind of therapy to address the problem? Who should they turn to for this therapy?
0: My last conference was dedicated to treatment solutions for alienated children, and that conference is available to the general public to view on my website. But let me say that there are options, and I'll I'll try and explain what they are, and I'll, I'll give you my opinion about each one. Uh, one of the most talked about interventions is called Family Bridges. It was developed by Dr. Richard Warshak, one of the most respected experts in the field of parental alienation. His program is uh, considered a psychoeducational program, and he has published some results about it, indicating some very highly positive outcomes as a trend. Uh, however, it's also highly expensive. So for that reason, it's, it's beyond the point of being affordable for most families. Then there's reunification therapy. Um, some critics say it's controversial, but essentially it's not. Some refer to the therapist as a court involved therapist or a CIT. Uh, this term is also defined uh, by the Association of Family and Conciliation Courts or the AFCC. Basically, reunification is the most affordable and widely accepted treatment intervention for any parent child relational problem, including parental alienation, and I highly favor the approach. But what I also want to mention is that you need an expert in parental alienation to find the right therapist to do this work. Um, I say that because reunification is a highly specialized service, and most mental health professionals are underqualified to do the work, underqualified, although many will offer to take a stab at helping someone with this problem. Uh, But let me caution your audience to understand that any efforts taken up by an underqualified practitioner would only make matters worse, not better, worse. And there are also obstacles in getting the cooperation for therapy from an alienating parent. They don't want to participate in the therapy. They don't want to pay anything toward the cost of the therapy. And they think that the child should be empowered to decide to attend or not attend the appointments. So an expert needs to be involved to help overcome these challenges and this resistance. And lastly, there is some difference of opinion, even amongst the experts, on the treatment issues. Uh, recently, uh, a very popular uh, child psychologist named Dr. Codris has gained a lot of attention with his own theories about attachment theory and the parameters of treatment. And I have things I like and some things I don't like about his viewpoint, but overall uh, there are some clinical different uh, opinions about the treatment interventions. Um, I, I think that more interventions are gonna continue to surface over time with more efficacy in the approach.
1: Gosh, I really hope so. Um, Is there a test? Because I know a lot of people are like, well, I don't know. Is this alienation? Is this not? Is this just the other parent being, you know, however? Um, A lot of people say they don't know. Like, how do they really determine if parental alienation is going on? Is there a test for that?
0: There is some solid research to help label parental alienation strategies, but no widely adopted psychometric instruments to diagnose parental alienation. I don't think it will ever be possible to create such a test because there is a lot of data that has to be taken into account to arrive at what is called the differential diagnosis. But at some point, um, a competent expert uh, working in this field, like a reunification therapist or a custody evaluator, they will ultimately arrive at the right conclusion. Most cases of alienation do involve other factors, including the contributions of both parents. So what happens is we see mostly hybrid cases that involve elements of alienation, maybe a little estrangement, a pinch of enmeshment. Um, Hybrid cases, uh, in order to to, to be able to properly treat any condition, you have to first diagnose the problem, right? So uh, there's not always, uh, you know, Uh, You know, that is not always uh, the way alienation cases are approached by mental health professionals, because many, many mental health professionals uh, who are assigned these kinds of cases, uh, they just stay in their own lane. And sadly, uh, mental health professionals are not supposed to work outside the boundaries of their core competencies. uh, And unfortunately, that doesn't stop them from stepping to the plate and taking new clients for their own personal gain.
1: Wow. And you brought up a really good point earlier, too, that I wanted to circle back to is that, you know, you really have to look at perspective on this both sides. And I'm a big person on perspective. And so it's interesting because I always think of the parent that is doing the alienating, um, but you never think that maybe the parent is being accused. Um, and they're not doing it. And you said that there's a lot of people being falsely accused of alienating their children. So I wanna know how prevalent is that and what is gained by making that allegation when it seems that parental alienation is really hard to prove in court?
0: That's a great question. Um, I can tell you that uh, almost half of the people that contact me for help with parental alienation claim to be falsely accused of being an alienating parent. And according to a recent study on the prevalence of parental alienation, we're talking about millions of falsely accused people just in the United States alone. Even though parental alienation can be difficult as well as counterproductive to try and prove, the motivation in making such a false accusation is to intimidate the accused into fearing the loss of physical contact and custody of the child. Most people don't wanna try and disprove a negative. So it's a strategy sometimes suggested by a lawyer. In addition, it is also true that many parents make false accusations about parental alienation. Uh, They do so to cover up their abuse of a child. It's used as a defense to explain the child's rejection when in fact, the reason for the child's rejection might be truly justified.
1: Wow, that is so interesting. Joseph, what is the best way? You are so knowledgeable about this. so I'm so glad that you came on today. What's the best way for my listeners to contact you for more information? How can they find you?
0: Well, I wouldn't want them to contact me unless they first went to my website and and sincerely spent some time looking around on my website to, to understand what it is that I do. Because I don't want people just calling me and saying, you know, I have a problem and not really understand what mental health consulting services has to offer. So anyone that wants to, you know, contact me should start by going to my website, which is parentalalienation.ca. I selected that domain, by the way, because I couldn't get parentalalienation.com and that was already (laughs) taken. So I took parentalalienation.ca and um, that's where I would, that's where I would ask them to start.
1: That's wonderful. And I, like I said earlier, I will make sure that your website as well as the link to that article are going to be in the show notes. Before we go today, this has been just so amazing having you on and really clarifying some of this stuff for us and actually giving us hope to know that there are people that are in our corner, that really are working to eradicate this horrible thing called parental alienation. But before we go, can you just offer my listeners some final words of advice or even encouragement if they're dealing with a situation of parental alienation right now?
0: When I think about a question like that, you know, there's so many thoughts that are flooding through my mind. At the same time, you know, I want to be able to say to people um, that there's a lot of, there's a lot of interest and there's a lot of professionals uh, and research investigators and, and psycho legal professionals that sincerely care about the problems that you're going through and really want to help. Um, I think that, that we are still um, in some early stages of how to deal with the problem effectively. Um, I think it, again, starts by having uh, you know, some kind of consultation, some kind of help from an expert that works in this field. Um, I also want to talk for just a second, if I can, about some people who are on the extreme end of the parental alienation dynamic. And what I mean by that is, people who have already uh, experienced the loss of their relationship with their children. Uh, Their children may be adults at this stage or they may have exhausted all of their financial resources. Um, The reason I want to bring it up is because, you know, there's a lot of talk on the internet and I hear a lot of other people say, gee, you should never give up. You should always hang in there and keep fighting. And I don't think that that is entirely... Correct, I think that there is a point at which some parents can um, look for closure and understand that giving up and finding closure doesn't make you a bad parent. It doesn't mean that you've made a wrong decision. Um, sometimes um, you have to make a choice like that for your, for your, for your own best interest. And you have to understand that um, you can't be available to help your children if you don't survive this and you don't pull yourself together, so um, keep an open mind and uh, talk to someone who's an expert, and then you can make a better decision for yourself.
1: Can I ask you one more question joseph sure how how much? How many cases, because I know you've seen a lot of cases, Um, how many times have you seen something turn around and become into a positive situation? Um, I know it happens, so I just want to give people a little bit of hope now. Um, Have you been able to turn situations around?
0: I have, um, and um, I can tell you that um, I don't deserve all the credit for that. I only deserve maybe partial credit because usually people don't even know I'm working behind the scenes on a case. You know, when somebody, mm-hmm. like, when somebody retains me, I'm, I'm sort of like uh, the Wizard of Oz behind <laughs> the curtain. They, nobody knows about me except the client and their lawyer. So people that really deserve uh, the credit for salvaging these relationships and repairing them are the, the, the people that um, ultimately uh, take on the, the, the role of being that reunification therapist and um um, i'm glad to just be a part of that equation
1: Well, I'm certainly glad that you are too. I'm so thankful for the work that you're doing for our blended family community and for all of the people everywhere that are struggling with parental alienation every day. Just want to give you guys some hope today and encourage you that things can change, things can get better, but you got to find the right expert. Can't do it alone. Don't try to do it alone. Joseph, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I Very much enjoyed it. And maybe we'll have you back on again soon.
0: Thank you, Melissa. Appreciate it.